Aaron Rodgers getting big money. Major League Baseball coming back. Hopefully, fingers crossed here. And March Madness just moments away. Hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Talking Schmidt. I know it's been a little bit since the last show. Just uh, trying to get through the last little bit of OVC basketball play on the road a lot. We ended the season on the road in Illinois. Uh, ended up in a tree line for about a night. Um So that was a lot of fun going up to Edwardsville during a snowstorm. But other than that, we're back on Talking Schmidt. I'm Ethan Schmidt, and joining me for this episode, we have George Holloway. We look to have Josh Stevenson back in the near future. Uh, Just had an early wake-up call for Josh tomorrow, so did not want him to have to wait around for us to record the podcast. But George, man, it's good to get a chance to talk with you. It's good to be back. It's been too long. Our, our, our last episode came before the Super Bowl, and that's been about three weeks ago now, three, four weeks ago, as crazy as that sounds, because it seems like just yesterday we were talking about Joey B and the Bengals taking the trip to the promised land that did not end up being so promised. But we're getting back into it this week. Yeah, and, and actually it's kind of fun that, fun that you bring up the Super Bowl because we're going to talk about probably one of the trades that shook up the NFL this week here in our first segment. But first, we're going to start about the reigning MVP of the league, reigning back-to-back MVP of the league, uh, Mr. Aaron Rodgers, getting a deal that they're saying is about four years, $200 million, making him the highest-paid player in the NFL. It's the most lucrative contract in the NFL as well for the 38-year-old quarterback. Um I know a lot of people sit out there and uh, I saw some things where they were saying, you know, Tom Brady did it with obviously taking less money and to build a team around him to win Super Bowls. So even as a Packers fan myself, you have to look at what the contract is. Um, Not saying, obviously, that a player like that doesn't deserve a big contract. I mean, he is the back to back reigning MVP. Uh, But again, you can't really build a team when your money is being held up on one player like that. I've played Madden. That's how you lose franchise mode. Exactly. And that that's a lot of money tied into one player, no matter the caliber of that player. It makes him the highest pay, paid player in NFL history, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's correct. And you're also looking at a, tr- at a trying question for the Green Bay Packers. What do you do with Devontae Adams? Can you afford him? Like, because I assume he wants to play with Rodgers because that's the duo. But I, I don't know, is is he going to take a pay cut? Or are they going to do the voidable year thing or what? I, I don't really know where it's going to go here. They're going to have to restructure a lot of deals within that franchise to be able to even get Adams back. And then just looking forward from that, rebuilding the team as a whole, I mean, there's not much money to work with now. Yeah, I believe, I believe they did throw the franchise tag on Devontae Adams to keep him around. So that will be – They threw it on him? Okay, good. Yeah, so that was uh that was the big kind of foundation mark of keeping Rodgers around was to make sure that they end up um, uh, bringing back Devontae Adams. I believe they threw the uh, that they believe they put that franchise tag. They did, um, and that's set to be about eighteen, a little over eighteen million in twenty twenty two for uh, Devontae Adams. <clears throat> okay. So I think it ends up being about twenty million in that one-year deal under the franchise tag. So, um, again, though, you you look at it, and, and you mentioned the Super Bowl team and the team that went out, and the way that they did that, they traded away all their, their draft picks. They ended up bringing in Matt Stafford, which, uh, from what I've seen, it's, it's one of the best trades. Technically, um, I saw a graphic earlier by CBS Sports, I believe, that said um, when you look at the great trades throughout history – Matt Stafford being acquired by the Rams for their two first round picks and a third round pick technically proved out to be probably the greatest uh, one of one of the greatest um, trades of all time because you end up winning a Super Bowl that year uh, by getting Stafford. Of course, the number one overall trade is where the Cowboys end up trading Herschel Walker for the house (laughs) and got everything. They call it, you know, obviously the great train robbery bringing Mm -hmm. in Herschel uh, Herschel uh, Walker, trading him up to Minnesota, but. Looking at it, obviously, you don't leave a lot. And and I'm not here, obviously. I mean, obviously, being a big Packers fan, I'm I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan as well. Uh, I love what he does on the field, you know. But again, this is also a guy that hasn't won a Super Bowl since 2010. So you're going on almost 12 years of playing football here uh, where we haven't seen a, another 
you know, Super Bowl trophy, another Lombardi trophy back in Titletown. So how does that stack up? And, and I think that, you know, like you said, you've put a lot of money into a player that's 38 years old. Uh, by the end of his contract, he's going to be 42. Uh, obviously, I know he eats very healthy. He's kind of on a, a weird diet. We know the the weird thing he did to refresh his system. Um, that is something that I will scratch my head about forever of, of what, uh, what Rogers was doing there. Um, uh, I guess a couple weeks ago before this was all taken care of. Um, but again, you, you tie up a ton of money in green Bay right now in a quarterback that's 38 years old. It just doesn't seem smart to me. There, there are a lot of questions with the deal and like with that franchise, having a back-to-back MVP and being able to retain him, of course, you're going to think that's a win. But as you said, they haven't been back to the Super Bowl. No, they haven't won a Super Bowl since 2010. They haven't even been back, right? No. Yeah, so it's it's been tw- going on 12 years. And that's a long time in Lambeau without a without a title contention. So it's really, it's really do or die here, and they've kind of gone all in on Rodgers. And, I mean, you can't blame him with his accolades, but, I mean, as you said, he's 38 years old. By the end of the contract, he's going to be 42. Is there going to be any form of regression, anything like that? You never know. So time will tell, but I agree with you. I wouldn't – I don't feel good for the Packers tying in $50 a year to a man that's going to be 38, 39, 40, 41, 42 during the course of that contract. Yeah, just – it definitely is something that, um, you know, like I mentioned, if if you look at the greatest quarterback, and and I know a lot of people argue maybe he's not, maybe he is, but – in my opinion, the greatest quarterback of all time is Tom Brady. And you look at what he has done throughout his career, which was always take a pay cut, get the best of the best in there with you, um, you know, be able to have where you can bring in, you know, I mean, at one point you had probably one of the better running back rooms in, in the NFL with some of the names that you had back there. Um, you have a very decent receiver receiving core. Um, you kept most of your defense. You're able to sign some of these guys. You're able to give that. So right now, Green Bay is having to kind of get rid of that defense that has kept them into games as well. I know Zadarius Smith became a free agent. Um, I know they're kind of basing off having Jair Alexander still under a rookie deal. Um, Eric Stokes, who's played a good season last year, is obviously only going to be in the second year, so he's in his rookie deal. Um but a guy like Devondre Campbell, I mean, he's an all-pro, the first all-pro middle linebacker from Green Bay since Ray Nitschke. I mean, wild to think, but Devondre Campbell, that was a one-year deal. Do you bring him back? Do you bring back Rasul Douglas? So there's a lot of question marks on Green Bay, and, and I agree with you, George. It, it just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't understand. I mean, granted, like I said, the reigning M- – or I guess the back-to-back reigning MVP, and he's getting what he wants, but – definitely frustrating for Packers fans all around to kind of say, what else do we have though? Besides, you know, just a quarterback, you know I mean? That's uh, as much as, as much as you want that you have to have other pieces. And um, I I just don't see where green Bay is getting those, but another team that went out and got their guy, we know green Bay stayed with their guy, but a team that went out and got their guy was the Denver Broncos went out and traded to get Russell Wilson. And so Russell said goodbye to Seattle He's going to lose guys like DK Metcalf, pick up guys like Jerry Judy to throw to. So he's going to have a, a young receiving core. He had a pretty young receiving. I mean, we had DK, um, mm-hmm. but he's going to get a pretty young receiving core now. Cortland Sutton, guys like that in Denver. Um, what did you think about the trade? What was your, what was your, uh, I mean, what went through your mind when you saw it? I, it was crazy. Like just what, what how in depth the trade was. Like Seattle got back all the all the picks they wasted for getting Jamal Adams, like it was it was funny to me because how many how many first rounders did they give up for Jamal Adams? Was it two or three? I think it was two, possibly three though. I think I think that was pretty close. I think it might have been three. Mm-hmm. And literally, they got almost the exact same in return from the Broncos. Like it, it's literally just kind of restacking the the Seattle with draft picks that they lost and. It makes the AFC West very interesting with, with the Broncos coming in now with a really with a proven elite quarterback in Russell Wilson. Because, I mean, you look at the quarterbacks in that division, it's Mahomes, Herbert, Carr, and now Russell Wilson. Derek Carr has got to be the best, worst quarterback in a division ever. <laughs> like, he, he has to be. 
Like that division is stacked at the quarterback position. All of them, all of them have proven they can win. So you, when if you're the Chiefs, you're sitting there, you're like, dang, Broncos got a defense. Now they got a quarterback. They got some weapons on offense. You're a little nervous there. And also the Chargers are the young and up and are one of the young and up and coming teams in the NFL. So I mean, the AFC West, it's it's gotten a little more more scary, I guess you could say. And while the AFC South is shaking in its boots with Ryan Tannehill, uh Col- uh, uh, Sam Ellinger with the, at the helm of the Colts right now, and uh, Trevor Lawrence and uh, Davis Mills. So the tales of two division, uh, two uh, yeah divisions. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I mean, yeah, that that obviously I know you're a big AFC South guy, big Titans fan. So um, definitely, uh, definitely looking at a contrast of seeing three quarterbacks, uh, two of them pretty much the future, um, and then one of them. Uh, a former Super Bowl champion, and and then Derek Carr. Um, I know that's a, a definitely a weird look in at seeing just kind of the greatness that's in that conference right or in that division right now. So, yeah, for me, and I kind of look at it as well. Um, when I look at this trade, I think of you know obviously the the talent that Russell Wilson has. I know obviously he's a little bit older and uh, now in his career, and he's been a little banged up here the past few years. He's been running for his life. Um, that's what happens when you trade first round picks and can't get some new offense <laughs> alignment in to block for your quarterback and your franchise guy. Um, Denver has a that's pretty defense now. Yeah. And the worst part is <laughs> the jets still never did anything with the picks they had. So um, looking at what we've seen now from Russell Wilson, he's going to get a, a, an improved young line. Um, some improved guys. I know, you know, they're obviously drew lock is gone. Um, he's about to lock up the West coast now. Uh, or something like that. Uh, he's he's going into a division that features uh, Kyler Murray. Um, who else do we have out there? Jimmy Garoppolo nice for a little bit. He might end up mm-hmm. getting traded. I heard there's been trade rumors for uh, Jimmy G at this point. So Trey Lance possibly. Yeah. And then Matt Stafford. So he's going into a conference that, I mean, somehow Matt Stafford was made a lead in. Um, but moving along with that, I just kind of look at it. And if I'm Russell Wilson, I mean, I, I like the idea of going to Denver, but then again, I look at it as well. And with that conference, I mean, you had to play Patrick Mahomes twice a year. You're having to play Justin Herbert twice a year, and you're having Mm -hmm. to play one of the luckiest guys in the league, Derek Carr twice a year. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess time will tell us here, but I, I kind of look at it and think, you know, what else was kind of on the table? I mean, you think about, the possibility for him, I mean, was Carolina not going after him? I mean, I mean, in all and all actuality, I mean, they're not going after him. Where, I mean, like you said, when you talk about the AFC South with Tannehill and uh, Sam Ellinger, uh, Davis Mills, and Trevor Lawrence was, you know, I know Carson Wentz obviously traded away from Indianapolis, but I mean, were the Colts not trying to super pursue Russell Wilson? I mean, you're going to outshine a lot of the other players in that in that division, but. Um, Hats off to John Elway getting his shortest quarterback he's ever had. Um, right. as, <laughs> out of out of it, I saw that I saw that today. I mean, starting with Peyton Manning at six five, and he hadn't had a guy shorter than that uh, as a starting quarterback, and now he has Mister Five Eleven Russell Wilson, Mister Do It All. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was I was very surprised. I guess I wasn't very surprised. I mean, but again, still kind of surprising to see that the Broncos going after a guy like Russell Wilson, but. Again, he's a proven game winner, and we saw what what kind of they were able to do at the end of Peyton's career. After Peyton had injuries, we know that um, Seattle comes in there, and uh, if we think back to it as well, if you look back into the Super Bowl that Denver lost, mm-hmm. it was to a young Russell Wilson. Yeah, it was. And I think the Broncos here, they kind of jumped on their second choice because they, they, were, they were pushing for Rodgers heavy, and everyone knew that. And they were down to one of the finalists for, for Aaron Rodgers, according to multiple sources. But they saw that Aaron Rodgers get locked up, and then immediately, like an hour later, Russell Wilson, the deal was done. Yeah. Like, I, I think they took that opportunity. They were like, well, we got to get our guy, at least one of them. Yeah. And so they did whatever it took. And, I mean, props to, like you said, John Elway, the Broncos organization, we're getting it done. And, I mean, now they got a quarterback who's proven, and they there's some excitement in Denver again. I'm pretty positive they said Russell Wilson was option A, but – that's neither here nor there. Um, moving along, continuing up here with a little bit of the NFL talk. You and I had talked about this a little bit earlier today. Wanted to kind of end our segment here, our first segment here, talking um, the suspension on Calvin Ridley. 
there is two things that kind of I, I think were a little dumb. I think one, it was dumb uh, for Calvin Ridley. I mean, he has people around him, and I've I've heard this that could have made those bets for him, and he still could have, you know, won or whatever it was. But it's also dumb to me that Calvin Ridley uh, is getting suspended for a season after literally betting on games while he wasn't even active. Uh, he wasn't doing this while he was playing. If you remember last season, he ended up taking time off. And now Calvin Ridley is going to be suspended for an entire year because of betting on games that he wasn't even playing in. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, it, he couldn't even, it couldn't have been a, even a prop bet for himself. Uh, it was legitimately a time where he wasn't even on the field, wasn't even playing. He was uh, trying to get his mentals right, and he decided, I'm just going to bet. Um, you and I are kind of in agreement on this. I think it's just kind of, uh, one, it's kind of stupid and harsh by the NFL to put that big of a, um, I guess, a, a weighing in that big of a punishment on a guy like Calvin Ridley, who literally wasn't even playing at the time that it happened last year. Right. And, and I think that honestly, it's just ridiculous to see like what players in the past have done, like such as like domestic violence, uh, assault, anything like that. And they face like two, three game suspensions or Kareem Hunt whenever he got suspended for half the season for kicking the female like that. That was that was horrible. And they only faced minimal punishment compared to Calvin Ridley, who only bet a total of fifteen hundred dollars on games that he wasn't playing in. And he gets suspended for an entire season. It doesn't. It doesn't add up there on the the level of offense to me. So I don't know. I think it's a Pete Rose effect, like where Pete Rose is not allowed in the Baseball Hall of Fame, even though he always bet to win. I don't get it. He never bet to lose. He never threw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It to me, it's frustrating as well. Like you said, I mean, I I think it was just the fact that he's the first player to get caught in the NFL since it's become a big thing. But you got to mm -hmm. also remember, and one thing that upsets me about this the most is you also have an entire like the NFL has what sponsored by DraftKings. Mm -hmm. yep. So you literally have like most sports books. Yeah, most <laughs> sports books, you see the fan duels, you see the DraftKings, you see all these things that get advertised during NFL games. And I understand that you don't want your players obviously out there, you know, gambling or betting. I mean, that's you, we've seen uh, the whole, uh, I guess, the whole premise behind the longest yard remake with Adam Sandler was whole, you know, point shaving situation. Um, and you don't want to see that. And I can completely understand that. But, uh, you know, what, a guy obviously who, you know, it, it tears his ACL and is out for the season and he can't do anything. You know, he can't make prop bets. I mean, why can't he bet on the game? It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, the amount of punishment, like you said, that went down on Calvin Ridley over something when he wasn't even playing in there, wasn't even betting against his own team. Uh, and again, it, it's like you said, it's the Pete Rose effect completely. The guy never betted, uh, never bet against his team to lose. Um, but again, I mean, this is it's a slippery slope. It's a gray area. It's one of those situations where uh, at the end of the day, the NFL has the ultimate say and they say uh, absolutely not to Calvin Ridley. And and so we'll see. Uh, it'll get him a chance to get maybe a little bit more uh, time on his hands to sit back and, and just kind of figure out life and make sure he is ready to go. But uh, you just hate to see a young talent like Calvin Ridley not be able to play another season because of something as, uh, I guess, kind of minuscule as uh, a, a bet while he wasn't playing. I agree. And like we just hit the, I think we just hit the nail on the head. Like it was a minuscule thing compared to some of the others that uh, some of the other things we've seen in the NFL. So I just think the punishment outweighs the crime. Yeah, let's go ahead and take a break here. Uh, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we get a chance to talk a little baseball. I didn't know if this was going to happen or not. I know George has been waiting. Uh, the last time we actually talked was back, I, like you said, right after the Super Bowl, and you were worried about what the season might look like. We were talking about possibility of a shortened season, but it looks like we're going to have all 162 games just a week later start is what we're looking at. So let's take a break here on Talking Schmidt. When we come back, we'll have a look at the – hopeful return here of Major League Baseball.
And welcome back to Talking Schmidt. We want to give a shout out to our sponsor. I forgot to do that in the first segment, so we got to give a sponsor here. Big Timber Roofing. Our guy Corey Turner at Big Timber Roofing. Give him a call, 931-472-5055. If you're in the Clarksville, Nashville, uh, parts of Kentucky, and even North Carolina, give our guy Corey a call, and he'll try to get you a free estimate. I know we still have a a little bit of winter weather ahead of us here for some unknown reason. We're getting a winter storm that's going to surge up. They're talking about possibility of still two inches of snow in our area, George, so I don't know what's going on this weekend. It might. We just literally had sunny and 70 a few days ago, and now they're talking about a little bit of snow. So uh, give our guy Corey a call, or you can reach out to him at Big Timber Roofing um, on Facebook. Uh, you can also find them, I believe it's bigtimberroofing at gmail.com. You can send in, request something there if you're looking for a new roof for your house. And Corey will get you situated. Now, during the break, I was informed that it has officially been reached. I thought there were still terms that need to be decided between the uh, Players Association and the MLB. But George has done as much research as possible, and he says that it is officially back. I know some dates that I've seen so far on this, but uh, to start off here, George, I know you're a big fan of baseball. I enjoy baseball as well. Um, I'm a big in-the-ballpark type guy. Uh, mm-hmm. I like to be in in a ballpark watching a game. But, George, take us through your excitement today when you saw that it was so close to being reached and now that the agreement has been reached. I've been waiting for this for the past few months because the lockout, like you, if, okay. So if you remember back in 1994, whenever the lockout, whenever the, whenever the big strike happened in baseball, baseball almost died. That's why the steroid era came to be the steroid era saved baseball in the nineties. And I was really nervous that another lockout was going to completely just finish off America's pastime. And it was, it was going to kill baseball, but they worked hard. They worked diligently and the past few nights, like they'd been staying up. Meetings had been lasting till three o three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. They were working really hard to get this deal done, and I thought they were going to get it done last night. But they met until almost four a.m., and they just didn't quite get there yet. And so I was really sad whenever I woke up. And then they pushed through throughout the course of the day, and they finally got some terms that they could agree on. And some major changes, honestly, coming into the game of baseball. So, I mean, it, it, some of the changes I'm not the biggest fan of because it seems like they're just selling offense and not baseball itself. But I can't complain too much. There's going to be a season. There's going to be Braves baseball this year or whoever you cheer for. And I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's uh, the, the band of the shift. I know that's one of the big ones that people are – upset about and and i guess you know that makes sense when you have some power hitters um <clears throat> who'd be uh who'd be happy about that because now you have a little bit of a gap instead of having your shortstop run over and cover behind second base um so you do have a little bit of, of coverage area there and and that's going to be no more um mm-hmm. in baseball uh and i believe what what else were the other ones were the is it bigger bases is that what we're hearing Larger bases, yes. The The reasoning for that that I could find was to eliminate uh, injury to a T, to a, to a point. Because like you've seen, like people get spiked, people get stepped on, et cetera. So they made the base a little bigger where that way it gives each each side more room if there's a bang-bang play and whatnot. And then also uh, sliding. like So that way you have a bigger target area. You, you could start your slide sooner, later, whatever and you have more area to touch the base. So that, that's the reason that I found behind that. I mean, you know, when we play slow pitch, you know, there's always a, uh, <laughs> there's always a safety bag there at first, yep. you know, so you don't have to have a bang, bang play anymore. So I understand <laughs> the concept here of needing the extra bag. So you don't, you know, tear something. Cause that's, you know, when you get older and you're not in the peak of shape anymore, that makes sense. Uh, for oh, yeah. to have that a bigger <laughs> bag to step on. Looking at some of the dates that I've seen here for Major League Baseball's return, it looks like the 13th we're seeing players report. So that's literally just a few days away. Mm-hmm. Players will start reporting, saying spring training games should start about the 17th or 18th of March. So we should see some games fairly mm-hmm. early. Uh, and then April 7th is our new opening day. So a week later, it looks like March 31st was supposed to be the original starting date. We're now looking at April mm-hmm. 7th. 
in that first bit of games, I'll go ahead and tell you what the opening schedule looks like, George, so you can plan around. I know you already know when the who the Braves are playing and whatnot, but yeah. I'll go through it. Uh, the White <laughs> Sox will be at the Royals to start. Uh, Boston at New York, the Yankees. So that's uh, the biggest rivalry game in all of baseball being played mm-hmm. that first week. Mariners at Twins. Pirates at Cardinals, Mets at Nationals, Reds at Braves. Uh, So the defending world champions will have a chance to come out and take on. uh, Is Joey Votto still alive? He's still alive. Joey Votto's still alive. I was just giving him a hard time. Joey Votto's still alive. I got some good I got some good Reds fans who like to uh listen in here. So gotta give a little bit of love there to Joey Votto still being alive. Uh the Brewers will take on the Cubs. Astros will be at the Angels and Padres at Diamondbacks. So obviously super interesting there. Um uh to start with. I mean, you have, you know, the Braves getting a chance to come out and defend. It's not against a, an East opponent, but They'll get a chance to come out against an NL opponent that should have a little bit of firepower to them. And I don't think this is going to be the same old Reds teams, but we also have uh, uh, the White Sox at the Royals, which, I mean, could be absolute trash, could be great. Um, right. The Royals normally start the season off really well, and, and then they falter right. late. Uh, Boston and New York, so, I mean, that's a big one there. The Red Sox and Yankees. Um Pirates, Cardinals, a great series to watch. Mets at the Nationals, another great series to watch. Uh, you know, Brewers, uh, Brewers, Cubs, another good one. Is there? I mean, obviously, looking at that opening schedule, I know you're excited for the Reds at the Braves. Is there another uh, kind of uh, game that you're looking forward to, or series that you're looking forward to to start off? Uh, the series that I'm probably looking forward to the second most after the uh, Reds and Braves is uh, the uh, Astros and Angels series. The reason because is because the Astros are coming off that deflating, deflating World Series defeat to the Atlanta Braves. And uh, the Angels, they finally went out and they bought pitching. Finally. Because instead of going after bats, et cetera, and thinking they could just win with offensive firepower, which still didn't really come to be with Anthony Rendon, Justin Upton, et cetera, um, they finally got some arms. They got Noah Syndergaard coming in. You know, hopefully he's healthy because we all knew what Thor was in New York with the Mets whenever he was healthy. They had a three-headed monster in New York whenever Noah Syndergaard was was healthy and ready to go with DeGrom and also Wheeler, who was also injured for half the time, and Steven Matz even thrown in with the Mets. But uh, with Syndergaard finally coming back, hopefully healthy, it kind of gives them another, another good arm in the, in the Angels' rotation. And let's see if they can do something with it this year because it would be a shame – if the Angels continue to waste the historic career of Mike Trout and the blossoming career of Shohei Otani. Right. No, I, I agree with that completely. And um, with as great as Otani is and what he means to baseball and what he means in general to, I think, a lot of players, you know, a lot of kids, you know, you're, you're taught, you know, if you pitch, you don't have to bat. But Otani is completely taking that, uh, I think, away. You're going to see a lot more kids who want to pitch and they want to bat. They want to be a part of it. And granted, I mean, in the past, I mean, not, I'm not trying to throw away. I mean, Madison Baumgartner could just absolutely rake. I mean, there's there's pitchers <laughs> who could go out there and just absolutely hit bombs. I mean, we we know that. But I think it's been for such a long time, we kind of strayed away from your pitchers who could bat. Um, and you just wanted pitchers to pitch, and that's all you really need. I mean, the American League has designated hitters for a reason. I mean, that, that's what it is. And I know the National League, you're going to say it. Mm-hmm. It's a universal DH now. There you go. So, I mean, <laughs> a lot of players are going to look at that. I mean, if you're a pitcher and you can bat, I mean, that, that just makes you extremely, I, I guess, lucrative to your organization. But, again, I, I say that, and then – Otani's just, he's a freak of nature. I mean, there's a reason why. I mean, Babe Ruth pitched, but he also was an amazing hitter. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Somebody like you have that historic players when you think of, you know, that you can put him in company with one of the greatest hitters of all time. Uh, he just kind of shows what generational wealth Otani is. But again, I think we're going to see, I think we'll see a little bit of change and a little bit of uptick of pitchers who want to be able to hit as well. I agree. And like just the impact that Otani's had, because literally he swept through baseball and it became Otani mania for a while, including this past season where he put up 46 or 47 home runs. And he also posted a 3.4 ERA. Like not, not many people can do that. Like, honestly, it's never happened before. So, because I mean, whenever Babe, Babe Ruth didn't hit, whenever he pitched, 
Like he was a pitcher for six years of his career and he didn't hit. And then he went on and hit 714 home runs. And so just to see that where when he's not pitching, he's still hitting, uh, DHing Otani. It's, it's something that baseball hasn't seen before. And it's kind of reinvigorated that spark into baseball. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I think that we'll see, I mean, you know, I, I liked what you talked about there. Um, when you talked about the the lockout that happened in 94 and, and just how baseball, um, the, the controversy around that and the, and the whole, you know, striking really did make it where a lot of, play, a lot of kids didn't really grow up watching it or didn't care about it after that. I mean, really it was just like, well, that's the sport that my grandpa or my, you know, my dad watches where, you know, a lot of us who had, you know, grandparents or well grandpas or whatever that really cared about the sport, you know, I mean, would, would watch baseball with you and, and kind of kept that level level alive. Even, you know, even for me not being a Cardinals fan, my grandpa being, from St. Louis and just having the history of being able to watch the Browns Cardinals world series as a kid from a tree. I mean, that's just kind of showing mm -hmm. you like, you know, what baseball meant to a lot of that older generation. So when you had those people who could kind of still instill it into them, but I mean, you know, one of the things that I heard and, and one of the things that I thought was pretty big behind that point that you made was just the fact that this fall or this spring, you know, you could see an uptick in the NBA. If if obviously baseball's not around, um, if baseball's not around, you're going to have more eyes watching the NBA finals. You also have this spring, the USFL starting. So again, mm -hmm. it's football now kind of going all year round. So again, if you're a young guy, you like football and now you can say, well, I know I'm going to be able to watch football starting in April and it'll run through May or whatever it's going to do. I think it's like nine weeks of, you know, regular season for the USFL now you kind of look at it, in my opinion, and you say, well, I mean, what? who cares about baseball at that point if you're someone who is that entrenched in football? Now, granted, I don't feel like that would have happened, but with it being so close to where we had, you know, COVID shut down half the year for baseball, you know, again, that hurt your, your population, that hurt your eyes on it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, having a lot of cities who weren't letting fans into the crowd kind of hurt that as well. So. Again, I think you're right. I think being able to finalize this a lot quicker than I thought they were going to, um, because you and I were talking about this probably was looking like an abridged season almost a week ago, um, but mm -hmm. again, not looking like that now. So, um, George, excited that we're going to have a little bit of baseball. I know you're excited to have it as well. Um, you know, do you, Final question for you, I guess, before we take a break here. Do you feel the Braves have the ability to repeat? Absolutely. Like, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that just out of being a Braves fan. They, they won the world series without arguably the best player on the roster, Ronald Acuna Jr. And arguably before his injury, their ace in Mike Soroka. So for those of you that don't know, Mike Soroka was the, was the headline of the Braves starting rotation and he tore his Achilles two years ago. Then he retore it last year. So he hasn't pitched in two, three, two, two going on three years now. So Getting him back is is monumental for this Braves lineup, or for that for the Braves rotation, and also he's gotten a little bit of extra time to heal going along with this lockout. So that's a little bit of a blessing and a curse. Same thing with Ronald Acuna Jr. He tore his ACL in June June 9th of last year, and I remember that date because I literally thought all hope was lost, and I was so sad. But uh, he 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 will be coming back. The date for his return is to be determined. They they don't they're looking late May, mid May around that time frame. So if he comes back healthy, swinging swinging a hot bat, the Braves are dangerous again. And of course, the big question mark is will they have Freddie Freeman on that on that roster again? Because I mean, he's still he's a free agent. No deal has been reached. No telling where he's going to go. I trust the Braves front office wherever whatever they decide to do. I'm not going to be negative nor positive about it. We'll see. So I think the Braves have a, can, can absolutely repeat. You heard it here first. George is saying the Braves will repeat. That's what we're hearing, right? I don't know about will because <laughs> that's a strong word. <laughs> but All they right. can't. That's his prediction, though. I'm not going to let him say it's not his prediction. So uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we have a look here at a little bit of March Madness. It's that time, baby. Get your brackets ready, but not really because they're not even set yet. So don't do that yet. But soon, this Sunday, Selection Show Sunday, 
So get ready for a little March Madness talk with George and I. When we come back, you're listening to Talking Schmidt. And welcome back to our final segment here of Talking Schmidt, brought to you and powered here by Big Timber Roofing. Our guy, Corey Turner, give him a call, 931-472-5055. If you need an estimate on your roof, our guy, Corey, will get you, uh, get you a look at it, let you know what you need, what you know, let you know how long it's going to take, get everything going for you. Free estimates. And of course, obviously, you have to pay for your roof. We can't get you any any type of uh, discount there, so don't ask me. Moving along here, talking a little bit about March Madness, the first team to clinch a spot in March Madness, George, was the team that John Morant formerly played for. So that's all we have to say there. That's just leave it at that. Um, they beat Moorhead State. I uh, heard it was a bad call at the end. I couldn't watch it because our boys in, in red, black, and white got bounced in the opening game or well, the second yeah. game of the men's side. Uh, yeah. So a, a great trip it to Evansville. It was a bad call, though. I heard that. I heard Johnny Broom got – and here's the thing. And for some of you, obviously, who listen to this, you know a little bit more about Austin P. but if you are listening from another area, I know we have some great listeners in Germany, uh, South Africa, New Zealand. We've had some people from all over. I'm fired up about this. But um, – uh, if you don't know much about obviously OVC basketball, which I mean, I can understand at this point, but keep listening. You'll learn a lot. Uh, Johnny broom is the next dude. Uh, I think he only had four games this entire season where he didn't have a double double. Yeah. One of those is against Austin P at home. Uh, so mm-hmm. Johnny broom is like, uh, we called, you know, Terry Taylor was the walking double double at Austin P Johnny broom has all the career set up in front of him to continue to dominate at Moorhead state. Uh, the conference is going to get a little bit weaker as well. After the exodus, uh, exodus of Belmont, uh, Murray state, Austin P in this upcoming season. Um, so Johnny broom is going to be the guy in the OVC. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, no doubt in my mind that he's not going to be the top player in the OVC. And I don't even know if he'll need to stay at Moorhead state past this next year, to be honest with you. I think he could be drafted uh, out of Moorhead state because looking at the future of the OVC Moorhead state will be the automatic bid. I feel coming out of the OVC, for the next few years. Uh, I don't think that there's another team that's going to be left in the OVC that will be able to match the talent and powerhouse that Moorhead state's going to be. Um, but again, they ended up knocking off Belmont as well, which was a very talented team. I was really hoping that they would beat, uh, the team from Callaway County, Kentucky. I was really hoping for that. Um, because I was hoping to see two teams, um, in that area, obviously, two teams from the OBC make it to the OBC tournament or to the NCAA tournament. But you know, obviously, um, OVC officials decided different. So, first team to make it, uh, the Callaway County Lakers, as they like to call themselves, uh, the team from Murray, Kentucky, will find themselves. And I've seen this, George, and I don't know if you've looked at kind of some pre bracket look or not, but they're looking at, at I see a, a high seat of seven for Murray State right now. Wow. The one, the one that I saw today uh, had them projected as a nine. Yeah. Imagine up against uh, Seton Hall. I saw, I saw seven early and I think they were going up against San Diego state. And that was just my last look at it um, from CBS sports on their bracketology. So um, obviously teams are trending up and down, but uh, that'd be one of the highest seeds in OVC ever. Yeah. I got a good friend named George (laughs) Belecci, who's a Seton hall graduate. So I will be rooting for the pirates 100%. (laughs) If that is the, uh, the outcome there, if it's Seton hall versus Murray state, I will be Mm -hmm. a gigantic Seton hall booster at that point. Um, (laughs) Looking at some of the other teams that have clinched, in the Big South, Longwood makes it in the MVC, which is where Murray will be next year. Loyola, Chicago, looking to hopefully Sister Jean bring out some love for Sister Jean, keep the memory and spirit alive. Is Sister Jean still alive? Oh yeah, she was at the she was at the championship game. She's she's still good. She's still oh she's yeah, still she okay. she was still getting fired. I know, up, but man. but this this year we've seen her. We know she's alive. Yes, yes, she was okay. there. Cause I haven't seen it. So I just want to make sure I, I mm-hmm. didn't see any reports of sister Jean. So you have to tell me if, if I'm speaking posthumously about someone. Um, 
SoCon and the SoCon. How about a game that came down to an absolute wild buzzer beater finish? Is Chattanooga the one seed held off Furman? So I, the the Furman. the Paladins of Furman <laughs> um, end up getting edged out by Chattanooga, and that was a really great finish to a game. I, I know you watched that one, George. Oh yeah, that that buzzer beater was insane because just to because there's there's a history between Austin P and Furman. And so there's some bad blood there. So I'm I'm not a big Furman fan, and uh, the just to see the absolute elation of Furman with about 4.9 seconds left in the game, and then the deflate and the wind going out of the sails of the Paladins was was great. And Baptiste or however you say his name, how, how do you say it? is it Baptiste or Baptist? You're telling me I, the no, same here. Yeah, yeah. And you just you his, said just said tomato <laughs> tomato, and I I just that's, looked that's at fair. you. That's fair. But uh, to hook up a contested three-pointer from half court and it just money with that much pressure on the line, it's incredible. And that, it's March, baby. Like, that's the only explanation. That's what gets <laughs> you fired up for March when you get to see some of these buzzer beater earlies because we know in that first round, um, nobody's safe anymore. Virginia proved that mm-hmm. um, against UMBC. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm excited to see it. Uh, again, Chattanooga going to get his – Fired up for that. Georgia State, represented from the Sun Belt. Now, the one that is the most wild talked about here at this point, the A-Sun, which is where Austin P will play next season. The A-Sun representative is Jacksonville State. Due to a technicality, Bellarmine won the A-Sun tournament but they are still going through the process of becoming a Division I program from being Division II. So Bellarmine is the A-Sun tournament champion, should be dancing, but instead Jacksonville State will. It's the biggest weird technicality ever, but if you're Jacksonville State, um, sneaky, sneaky guys, Jacksonville State, um, I once watched them upset Austin P when Austin P was like a five seed uh, at the OVC tournament when I was a student. And I didn't really know what had happened because Jacksonville State wasn't good that year, but whatever. I digress. Jacksonville State sneaks in on a technicality and they will be the representative for the ASA. That's just a little crap. Like, I mean, like being an Austin P guy, like we, we all hate Jacksonville State. Correct. Like the, the the don't like them, and then for some they had a safety net going into the championship game. They didn't even have to try. No, like there like no reason to try, no reason to get anybody hurt. You're dancing. Who cares? Yeah. Like so for for the most part, like because I, I watched a little bit of the game and like you could tell like they they weren't going hard. Like it's like there's no point. You're in. It's like regardless of the outcome. So I I, I feel bad for Bellarmine because I mean. If it had been a fair and square game, I mean, who knows? They still might have won, and then, and if they could, Bellarmine's going dancing. And unfortunately for those guys, they can't. Should Bellarmine create national championship shirts like UCF? Absolutely. Absolutely, I agree. Absolutely. Let's, let's try to talk to him. I mean, granted, uh, this is the only year that we could actually support Bellarmine and the A Sun because next year yeah. they become mortal enemies. Um, mm-hmm. Due to proximity, them and Lipscomb and Central Arkansas are really our closest enemies, if you will, here, I believe. Mm-hmm. I, I think that might be where we're at. Maybe Kennesaw State's kind of close, too. Yeah. Um, but again, sad thing for Bellarmine. I think they're national champions in my mind, and you can't tell me not because you can't prove me wrong at this point. Uh, they deserve mm-hmm. an automatic bid, and they're not going to get it. And they won't get an automatic bid until 2025. So that's kind of the loophole as well. I think I think it'd be crazy if for the next like three, four years here, Bellarmine is competing for an ASUN tournament championship every single year. I think that'd be hilarious. Now, granted, mm-hmm. I don't want that to be the fact because I want to see Austin P get there, but I think that would be absolutely hilarious if Bellarmine's able to do that. Oh, absolutely. Like just because they can't like just like literally they can't so it's funny yeah (laughs) you can't even you can't even beat us and we can't even win championships so whatever get out of here yeah (laughs) 
moving along after the long discussion here about Jacksonville State sneaking in, uh, the Northeast, Bryant will represent the Northeast. The CAA will be represented by the Blue Hens, the Fighting Joe Flaccos, Delaware. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Horizon League will be represented by Wright State, the Summit by South Dakota State, and the Patriot by Colgate, not the Toothpaste, Colgate University. Uh, but it's still, we have to find winners for the American, the ACC, America East, Atlantic 10, Big 12, Big East, Big Sky, Big 10, Big West, Conference USA, Ivy, the MAAC, the MAC, the MEAC, the MEAC, if you will, the Mountain West, Pac-12, SEC, Southland, SWAC, WAC, and WCC. Now, I feel like we kind of know some names that might be filling those brackets out or some of those schools that will be there. Uh, I know projected number ones right now, I think, are Gonzaga, Kansas, Arizona, Baylor. Maybe mm-hmm. a little bit of debate on those Um where they might finish out. And it kind of depends, I think a little bit as well on how tournaments go. Um, but I feel like those four, we should probably see in those championship spots or at least in those top four spots. But George looking at it, this is a great week for basketball and the weekend's just going to be absolutely wild. And, and, and I know there's a lot of teams that are on the bubble trying to get in, trying to get out, uh, looking at the SEC, because I know that's where you care about the most um, about this. Uh, I know Tennessee, yeah. I've seen a projection of the three seed for Tennessee. Um, too high, too low, right at the right spot. What do you think? I, th- I think it's about right at the right spot. Like they, they earlier in the years, it kind of fluctuated. Like they had their high moments, they had their really low moments. But in Thompson Bowling Arena, they went a perfect 15 and 0, I believe. Was their final record at home? They were they were undefeated. They knocked off likes of Arizona, Kentucky, uh, Auburn at home. It's just if if they went if teams going into Thompson Bowling Arena knew it was a loss, like basically that's how it was this season for Tennessee. And so I believe putting them at a three seed is about is about the right mark because I believe they finished the regular season twenty three and seven, very respectable record, and just three spot is about right where they should be. Because they're because they're number two seed in the SEC tournament and top ten in the country, so I, I think a three, they're on the borderline of a two. I think if they win the SEC tournament, they could definitely be a two seed. But as of right now, a three seed is is I think prime right where it's at. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I know uh, we should have. I think we have what a final Mizzou lost to LSU, so we know that much. Uh, mm-hmm. Alabama's currently beating Vanderbilt and our guy, Scotty Pippen Jr. Mississippi State knocked mm-hmm. off South Carolina, I believe, as well. So we mm-hmm. have a little bit of an early look out here, some of the teams that are advancing and surviving here um, overall. But uh, on the women's side, we do got to give a shout-out on the women's side because Kentucky, I know, obviously, mm-hmm. I know you're not a Kentucky guy, but the Kentucky mm-hmm. women as a seven seed knocked off South mm-hmm. Carolina who was the one seed and won the first uh, SEC championship in women's basketball since 1982. That was played right here in Nashville. Well, right down the road, Nashville, I guess is what I should say. But <laughs> again, that's kind of a kind of a cool score uh, storyline there. If you truly think about it um, mm-hmm. for this uh, for what's going on right now, because there is a possibility, and I know you don't want to hear this, but there is a possibility that um, we could see. Kentucky men win it as well. I know they're their favorite coming into it. So do you have, obviously I know who your favorite is, but do you have your best guesstimation? Who do you think is going to walk away as the tournament champion of the SEC? Well, as, as a, in my history, in my short history of ever betting on games, I have learned to never bet on the Tennessee volunteers. So, I, I'm not going with Tennessee just because they they break my heart. And so honestly, right now, my best guess would probably my best prediction, I guess, is Arkansas. Because that that Arkansas team, they have they have explosive weapons on the offensive side of the ball. They have a lockdown defense. And if they get any form of momentum, they run with it. Like just in their previous previous games that I've watched, if if something swings their way look out because they're going to take it and run with it. They did in the Tennessee game, the first matchup is a 58, 48 final, very low scoring game, but Arkansas went on multiple 10 0 runs in that game. And so it just, it's, if they get hot, they're dangerous. 
So watch out for that arc. Watch out for the Razorbacks. They're they're good. And of course, like you have Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee, etc. Still alive and are still waiting to play in the tournament because they got yeah. they both. They all got the double buys in the quarterfinals. But some some sneaky teams in there. Like Tennessee is going to be playing Mississippi State in the quarterfinal after they beat after they beat South Carolina today. That's a sneaky matchup because Mississippi State has really good point guard play. And it's fast-tempoed offense. And so Tennessee's got to be stout on defense if they want to compete in that game and win that game. So, and of course, you got Will Wade at LSU, so never count out that cheating man. And so so we'll see. Like, it, it's going to be a very interesting tournament, I think. I think there could be some surprises there. Yeah, so Texas A&M will take on Auburn. Uh, that game will actually be tomorrow. So we'll have the – I guess technically we're into the quarterfinals starting mm-hmm. tomorrow. So we'll have Texas A&M versus Auburn, uh, LSU taking on Arkansas, which could be a very great matchup. Um, mm-hmm. Then, of course, Mississippi State, Tennessee, like you mentioned, and then Kentucky is waiting for the winner of Alabama and Vanderbilt, which at that moment when we were talking earlier, Alabama was ahead in that game. So uh, great look at the SEC tournament. Uh, obviously, like I said, Selection Sunday coming up. We're going to find out who's in, who's out. You can start making your brackets. You can start believing in your team. Uh, You can just pick a bracket to say this is the team with the best mascot that would win in a fight. That's a great way to pick. Do your thing. It's always the golden golden, uh, hurricanes, though, you know? Right, right. What beats a golden hurricane? I mean, it's a lot of – I mean, it's a tropical storm made of gold. You can't. Exactly. So Tulsa always wins. (laughs) Um, George, it's been a great week, man. Glad I got a chance to talk to you. Glad I got a chance to slow things down for a bit to get a chance to talk to you. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like I said, when we started the show off, it's been a little bit of a busy run since right after the Super Bowl. um, I was on the road calling basketball pretty much every night from, it was Monday, Thursdays, and Saturdays where I was calling basketball. So when I was home for the two days, maybe I was during the week, maybe the three days I was home during the week, I was trying to get caught back up on life. So I'm glad that tonight was one of those nights that we get a chance to talk to each other. It's been fun. I'm glad to be back. Glad to have you back. Finally, just not as busy for a minute. So that's good. So we can get to take care of this. And plus, we got some big news to talk about. We got to talk about some baseball coming back. March Madness coming. So all the craziness of March has yet to come. And some has already started. So we're in for a wild month. Absolutely. And hopefully we'll have another kind of big announcement after this weekend that we can talk about with some local stuff, but we'll keep that on the DL for just a little bit. So again, just want to say uh, thanks to George for another great week here of Talking Schmidt. We'll try to get back to the swing of things where we can actually, huh, pun intended, uh, the swing <laughs> of things uh, for the rest of the few weeks here that we have and just continue to push through and get a few more episodes of Talking Schmidt out to you guys each week. And again, we want to thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to hit up Big Timber Roofing uh, if you need any um, estimates on your roof or need any roof work done. Our guy, Corey Turner, will get you taken care of. But thank you so much for listening to another week of Talking Schmidt. We hope that you join us again next week.